Welcome to Season 2, where we are in a bit of a transition phase and are working to get more guests on the podcast and have changed our lineup of podcasters. Throughout the season, you will hear from Scott, Alan, and Jake hosting different guests from around the main area. So here we go, on to our second season. Sit back and enjoy. In this episode, we talk with Jake and Ryan about Jake's second marathon of the year, Sir Chimoy in New York. Ryan sits in as Jake's coach throughout his training and talks about the plan he had Jake on. Jake talks strategy and Scott listens to a different training approach than he is used to. Jake ran this marathon as a last chance effort to qualify for the 2020 Boston Marathon after falling short at the Bay of Fundy earlier in the year. Listen in to hear how Jake did. And now, on to the episode. So yeah, it's been a while. A failed recording of Beach to Beacon, and yeah. talking about heat training, which we we'll, can revisit another time. Yeah, I'll be able to revisit that in a month or so. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Where you're moving, it's going to be nice and warm. Toasty. I guess the main thing we're going to talk about tonight will be Jake's recent marathon. The last marathon you ran was Bay of Fundy. Yep, that was back in June on the 23rd, and then uh, I did Sir Chinmoy last Friday, finished in 249.55. Just okay. Just Moderate. a little faster than your last best. Moderately yeah. successful. So, uh, full disclosure, I told him he was full of shit on Tuesday <laughs> at the workout. I said, Jesus, I don't know. I, I, was, I was skeptical to say the least. And mainly the reason I was skeptical is, you know, you went from zero mileage in January, I think it was, uh, to... I started running the very end of February yeah. when I moved back to the area. So, yeah, so it was basically zero mileage in February. And uh, four months after that, you ran a 311. 312. 312 at yeah. uh, Bay of Fundy. Yes. And you were shooting for 245, I think you told me. And uh, you said that Ryan's plan had you at 2.45, and I said, Jesus, he's more full of shit than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, t- we chatted a little bit, and uh, as I said on the post when I uh, started on Facebook, I'll eat crow every freaking day if, uh, if you're that successful, and uh, I'm always willing to learn. So I think uh, I'm here to learn. I don't... Uh, it doesn't sound like the traditional plan, training plan that, that I grew up with and used and adjusted and tweaked, but uh, I'm all ears, guys. So, first, congratulations. Well, congratulations. Yeah, he, I mean, I, to was, both of you. I was excited to see him do that, and I've seen other people do the same thing. And to be honest, with full disclosure, I've given this program, and everyone that's pretty much done it has done this type of thing, but... I also know a little bit of the background of somebody. I wouldn't just give this to anybody. Um, I had run with Jake several times, and being a combination of his determination, his current fitness, I knew he had. if he had a little more structure um, and ran a little bit smarter, I knew he'd be able to do it if he could follow what I had followed in the past and um, what some other people had. So... so- so along those lines, you know, Jake um, was pretty well into the bodybuilding. I think he thought he was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> for a little while, um, bulking up at the gym and uh, put on, what, 50 pounds over what you've got right now? Uh, like 45. Okay. Yeah, 45, 50 yeah. pounds. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, did, did some of that consideration go into the plan that you gave him, knowing that he was going to have the strength? Um, not really, but I do have background on having gone through the same thing myself, realizing that I needed to transition and have a balance between my weight training that I used to do, because I was about 25 pounds heavier than I am now, mm-hmm. and um, I just felt like I was working way too hard, carrying all that around, and other than looking in the mirror and flexing, it's like, what's the point of doing this what, here? I'm 40 what am I something. Doing? Yeah. yeah, it's like, so, you know, I, I have a little a little bit of background on, you know, having to deal with that. I knew he was focused, and it wasn't gonna be a struggle for me to get him to, like, lay off the weights. He had already committed himself, so. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't too worried. I was going to say, that's a mindset you really have to gravitate away from. Yeah, it took uh, me yeah. a long time. Right. Yep. Yeah, and you have to embrace that. You have to embrace you, you, the, really, the fact that you're going to look like a scarecrow. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a tough one sometimes. Yeah, because yeah, for a while, like, I tried <clears throat> to do both. And it's, it's almost impossible to, like, carry that extra weight and then run the times that you want to because the extra weight might not slow you down in a short distance, but when you're carrying it for a longer run, you definitely feel it. So if I recall correctly, it's the, uh, I think your body, when you land, it's five times your body weight. So if you're carrying an extra 25 or 30 pounds, that's an extra 150 pounds landing on each foot. So n never mind the, the extra effort that it takes to, to move that forward, but just the additional additional pounding. On top of bigger muscles require more fuel, mm -hmm. and you only have so much fuel reserve. Yeah. So yep. that's where I noticed the big issue is I was, my muscles were failing me 17 miles into the marathon and being able to get to mile 20 and 22 before you start noticing issues made a huge difference in my time. I mean, it was literally a 10 pound difference in my weight changed my marathon time by like 20 minutes. It, it was just, it was a no brainer for me after that. And then I was just like, okay, I don't mind looking a little more lean. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you really have to decide what are your goals. And I still work out and we can talk right. about that at a different time if you want. But I mean, I, I do a, a program that's been studied by some of the more kind of the, the leading experts on ultra training and weightlifting for injury prevention as well as performance? Well, I think there's a couple different things. Um, if we have enough time, we can talk about body image. And I think you and I, Scott, were talking about Jake having that muscular background that yeah. allowed him to run <clears throat> these faster paces. Well, and I think that's an important thing to consider too because as you start to lean out, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Ryan, as you start to lean out and you start to reduce that muscle mass and it's important to have the muscular strength in the lower body to be able to carry it and if you've done the appropriate balancing you know you can probably make that transition easier than some of the guys that go to the gym and they're focused from the waist up and you know they're going to be all neck yeah. and shoulders mm -hmm. and as opposed to what I saw you doing at the gym when I saw you at Planet Fatness, um, you know, doing upper and lower body, you were doing the cycles, you were doing, you know, the, the lower body workouts at the same time, which I think probably benefited as you started to lean out because your body was used to that stress. It could handle it. It was more evenly proportioned. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. you know, big on the top. Yeah. And Plus your accent didn't really get close to Arnold's. And you weren't picking things up and putting them down. <laughs> oh, he tried to. <laughs> so, so let's talk about your marathon. And why don't you walk us through um, the last couple of weeks leading into it and then how you executed your race plan because this was, uh, a, was it nine loops of 2.93? Uh, eight, yeah, eight, eight two point nine three. Yeah. yeah, and then the last one was like two point seven two. Yeah, um, so, so I think it would be helpful to walk through the last two weeks leading into it. What you kind of did as far as the last few workouts, the taper, and and then your mindset going into it, and what you've done since then. Um, I would say, you know, the last three weeks of the program I had I was hitting the first five weeks of the program probably about 85 80 to 85% of the workouts the way they should be and then you know three to four weeks out Ryan you know was tracking my workouts and really got on me to make sure that I was more at the actual plan where it needed to be um, in terms of taper the average mile for the miles per week for the plan was about 54 or 55 but the final two weeks was 45 and 40 I think in that final week I ended up getting about 38 
Um, that's what that's including the marathon. Um, no, well, he's the two, that's the, the two full weeks week, prior. The full the week prior. Week. Oh, okay, okay. And then the race week itself, um, I modified a little um, before the plan. So because it was a Friday marathon, um, it shifted some of the workouts. So my dress rehearsal was on Tuesday where it was seven miles with two at marathon pace. And uh, for that workout I did at Bates Track as with PR. And it was very helpful. Um, Scott ended up taking my watch yeah, for yeah. the two at marathon pace. And he said, run by feel. Don't let the watch dictate, dictate. your pace. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting concept. And then the next day, because of because of work, I was only able to get two miles in. I was supposed to do three, but I felt like that was sufficient. I didn't want to overdo it before the race. And then I drove down on Thursday, and I went over to the course, 2.93-mile loop. Uh, I walked about a third of it, and then I ran two miles or just over two miles very slow like 840 pace so yeah you didn't do a shakeout run faster than marathon pace <laughs> correct yeah That's and most people they they tend to and again it's it's sometimes kind of a mind trip like running so little the week of the marathon because you know in some ways you just feel like you're not doing enough or you're going to lose lose what you've worked so hard to get because you're tapering for almost three weeks when you think about it like your last on this program I have three weeks prior to the marathon your is your last what I would say your true long run which is the 20 mile long run and then it tapers from there down to 17 13 and then the race week and so I think a lot of people don't allow enough of a taper you know and there's different reasons for that but um, you know there's still some speed work in here as well so you know, it, there's, there's, there's still variety in there. It's not like you're, you know, still not putting some intensity into your other runs. It's it's just... Um, there was some definitely some quality miles. It was less about the quantity towards the end of the plan. Yeah, and I yeah. think, you know, if you're putting your full quality into the workouts that you need and you're recovering on the workouts that you need, that it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I tell a lot of times people my program is a little bit boring um, but it's so structured that I think you can get really wrap your brain around it and not feel so intimidated and you can kind of like focus on like let's say two two of the six workouts during the week on a typical week maybe three sometimes depending on if you have a race but you only get two real high-end quality workouts that you you know it's not, not like I don't do back-to-backs um, unless races come up to where we have to kind of jostle some stuff around. Um, but you did great. And honestly, and I was just telling you earlier, um, a lot of your numbers were falling in line with um, probably being in a different VDOT than that 245 pace, but there was no real point in having you Higher change that. Higher or lower? Well, however you want to put it. Low, like lower as far as like the, a finishing time goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. like... It would have been more like in the 243 range where he was hitting some of his numbers with his heart rate okay. and his effort. Yeah. Um, but he was having such a hard time like wanting to stick to the program anyway. I didn't want to like say, oh, geez, we should start speeding some of this stuff up with three weeks to go. It's really not worth the, haze the, the risk. The barn already at that point. So Yeah, why? and the confidence to him to even my goal I would have been happy and I think confidence wise I would have been happy if he just broke three hours so for him to get very close to our goal time because really we build in a five minute window um, so for him to fall in that window was exactly the program yeah he did it exactly how he needed to do it so it was a 245 training program he did it in 249 and 55 change. seconds yeah so, and you kind of said that you had mentioned that you almost felt like it was the soreness of just a long run. And the reason that is is because you were actually fit enough to run that 245. But, again, playing it a little bit safe was a smart move because you don't want to... No, I didn't want to kick at 21 and pull something. 
Yeah, and or then be toast by twenty four. Yeah, I mean you were already gonna be blowing away your time. Um, I don't think I don't think for you to try to get an extra minute, squeak out an extra minute out of it was gonna, you know, prove anything. So, but yeah, so you you did exactly what the program was designed to do, and and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. So back to how did you find a Friday marathon? <laughs> so I wanted to so. Get one in, then the deadline is September 8th for a qualifier. For what? For next year's Boston, okay. which was the goal. Yep. Um, so I went on Find My Marathon, and I tried to find one in, you know, New England or close. So this one was New York. Uh, it was 16 days before that September 8th date. So if for some reason I got like you know, 10 miles in the race and something didn't work out, I could have, or I realized that I wasn't going to hit the pace, then I could have still dropped and did, like, Beantown, which would have been, like... So you and that was when I, you know, picked the race at the beginning of the plan. So, so, uh, so you plan for failure, and we're going to come up with a backup plan, because that's what I just heard. Um... That was right after Bay of Fundy. And then, you know, two weeks into this marathon plan that Ryan had drafted up for me, I felt like I was going to be able to succeed. Okay. So the plan for this. failure was Bay of Fundy, and then this was your backup? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the one you did in June was the one you expected to come up short. I didn't anticipate on coming up short, <laughs> but I, by doing by doing one in June, I had a chance to establish a baseline and figure out where I was at. Okay, so and I had set a goal that would have been under the three hours for the one in June, and I was unable to achieve that. Okay, and so going back to the one that you ran in June, and that was the one you ran three twelve. Yes. What was your anticipated finish time for the one in June? Uh, when I lined up at the start line, I said 2.56. Okay. So you missed that one by 16 minutes. Correct. So then this one you shot for 2.45? Correct. So if you missed it by 16 minutes again, you were going to miss by a minute? For the Correct. qualifying time. For the qualifying Correct. time. Yeah, which was the end goal. So, and and I'm, I, it sounds like I'm being an asshole, which I am a little bit, but more importantly, I'm trying to understand. So when you went back to Ryan after the failed attempt in June, he gave you basically an eight-week program. It is ten week. It's a ten week, but we had to modify it because of the time between. Okay. It, so it ended up being a nine week instead of the ten week. Okay. But we both felt comfortable with that because I had just come off a marathon and the mileage for that week was very similar to the first week of, of the, the plan. Of the 10-week plan. Yes. So so basically the 10-week plan included the, failed the, marathon. the taper into the marathon, that mileage week, and then ramping right back up. Yeah, and not to interrupt too, but as far as my 10-week plan... You need to have a significant base established for that. So, like, a lot of times people are like, well, 10-week plan, well, yeah, but really it's, like, probably more like a 16-week plan, but you don't have to necessarily have specifics during that. You just, my, I've seen that if people can at least get their mileage up and then focus on increasing their long run, so just that one run during the, the weekend and the rest of it can just be whatever miles... What you can do. Yep. I found people can like transition right into this, but yeah, you've got to be pretty close to that first week of miles, which is probably like forty-five miles. Yeah. So maybe like by the time you like six weeks goes, you build your way up to about at least forty miles. Yeah. Now is the first long run of the plan built in as a fail run, or are people? Has anyone ever hit that first long run? And for those that do not know, the first long run is 17 eight. miles with 10 at marathon. Is I think pace. it's 8 at marathon, is it? No, no 10. 10. Is it 10? It's okay. 10 at marathon. Because okay. I, I have never seen anyone hit those numbers. And I ran with Jake, 
on that first run. Yeah, he could barely I hit. think Kyle just did, but Kyle, it's the third time he's time using you, this correct, plan. Correct. So, so he knew that he had to have a good I've just going. for the record, I've never hit that. But usually when I'm coming into the training, I'm I'm very ill-equipped. Like I'm barely getting my mileage in. Somebody that's been training for a long time, like Kyle, where he really doesn't take any time off, can dip, can definitely go right into that. But I think most people. It I see gives it as you a, a bitch slap, like yeah, hey, yeah. You're not as fit as you. If you don't want to run this, you need to. Yeah, for me, the what the like. gap of time between that 10 mile marathon pace and the 12 really lets you see your progress and fitness in, in that. Like yep. I think it's like a, a five week period or whatever it is, and um, but yeah, I mean, I I remember being like, whoa, I could I could barely even do I think five of that 10 just well, on an average for me. So and this is the objective marathon pace not the current correct marathon. so this isn't a jack daniels you train at v dot until you make the progression upward this is the objective that you're shooting for you're starting there all of the workouts whether they're a vo2 max 5k pace lactate threshold the marathon pace all are based on the v dot goal time the goal time correct. okay not the current time correct and allow the body pr to progress correct to the expected pace within the 8 10 12 14 weeks correct. whatever the, you're gonna the way do. that i've done it is basically do it do that pace until failure and then start again and then do yeah yeah right yeah and it's again it's been a butt kicker in some cases but i feel like it it builds you up quick and then also gives you confidence the next time you have to hit that same type of workout because usually I think most of these there's two or three different times where you do the same workout so you can kind of see that right you see the progression yeah. so you, you've got a standard workout mixed in there every second week or week and a half or whatever it is right. that says okay I'm gonna do six eight hundreds and they're at this pace or whatever the that prescribed workout is Right. And you can feel yourself getting over that hump to say, oh, well, shit, I couldn't do this a week ago, right. and now I did it. Yep. Okay. So that's the method of building the confidence to say, oh, God, I suck. I'm never going to be able to tie my shoes, never mind run a marathon, to I can do this. Scott, you're going to eat crow because <laughs> I'm like, going to accomplish my goal in spite of what you think. And like the last two to three weeks of the program, I noticed that it was a lot easier to hit the numbers than it was at the start of the program. So the goal wasn't fast enough. That is, we talked a little bit about that. Okay. When you were when I was stepped away. Okay. So do you feel? that that was the best you could have run on that day. I am happy with my time. That's not I what don't I asked feel, you. Okay. Jesus. Let me answer it was the a very properly. simple question. <laughs> so potentially I feel like I Oh, potentially. Oh my freaking word. What is wrong with you? Do you feel I that feel was that the I, best you could have run on that day? I feel that I... Oh my God! You should run for fucking faster. office, <laughs> don't you think? Jesus! It's a simple question. It's a yes or a no. Yes. Was the, okay. That was see. That was easy. Yep. So that was the best you could have done on that day. No, I feel no, he like meant to say no. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely, he definitely yeah. knows he could have run faster. <laughs> and and that's okay. I'm I'm trying to establish whether you went into that race. I created a cloud of skepticism on Tuesday. And it was about proving you wrong. Part of and, it. And, and, that's, and that's exactly what I was hoping, okay? Because, you know, you would come up short and I knew you were disappointed at Bay of Fundy, okay? And I know that frustrated you. But at the same time, I listened to what you were talking about as a plan and too many times I've seen people continue to do the same race plan over and over and over again, and they all expect a different result by going out hard, putting time in the bank, and then trying to hang on at the end, as opposed to doing the reverse, which is going out conservative and or at the appropriate pace to begin with, and being able to be strong and accelerate at the end. 
typically when you've run a race where your plan and your execution have come together so that you went out at the appropriate pace, you sustained it, and then you finished strong, fatigued, but strong, you felt as though that you could have gone faster. That's what I was looking for. Did you finish the race feeling like I had something else? I did. Okay. But at the same time, at mile 22, I was still running like 640 pace, and I didn't want to, you know, try to do a 620 and twinge something at that point. Did you feel you were that close to the edge? It's a balance, I think. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a balance, like yeah. Alan just said. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, when I lined up at the start line, I said, who's trying to do a 250? Yeah, you told me this. And then when I got to that so point... So you took a survey at the starting line? Yeah. All in favor? <laughs> and three other guys said yes, and yeah. I, ran, <laughs> I ran the bulk Okay, of, I have victims. <laughs> I, I ran the bulk yeah. of the race with the... Uh, Two of the three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you shared a, a battle back and forth um, that you had. Um, hydration. So with the loops, um, before the race, I brought two extra water bottles. And I went to the water station and I said, it's tailwind. That's what I trained with. So that's what I wanted to have during the race. So I asked if I could leave my water bottles at the station and that when I run by, if they would hand them to me. And they said, absolutely, we can do that for you. How'd that work? There was almost a debacle with that. I was about 100 feet from the water station and I yelled forward. I described my water bottle. I said where it was on the table, and I asked someone to hand it to me, and they almost didn't get it in time. So did you have your name on the bottle? I did not, but I was the only person that had water bottles on the table. I told him to put his bib number if he knew it in advance, but they didn't have bib pickup until the day of the race. Oh. So I said, bring tape and yep. write your bib number so you can say 194. Yeah. And then... Yeah, you know, 194. Yeah, and that's and the only reason I ask is because when I did Hartford in 90, in 2005, I think it might have been, they uh, they allowed us to bring bottles to the night before event to have them sent out. See, um, when I did I did Sugarloaf, yeah. both times I did it, I just put it on the side of the road next to right. like a. A, a marker. Yeah, a marker, yeah. and yeah. didn't even worry about them. Correct. And that worked great. So yeah. just for future reference, like well, and you that's it. Could have I just that. didn't want to stop where it's a loop and though, pick you know. it up. Yeah. yeah, I wanted yeah. someone to hand it to me like they do with a, you know, a cup of water for someone. Well, and yeah. and, and, I, and I think to to Alan's point, you either put your bo your bib number on it, and or your first name, and you just holler them, you know, Jake or whatever. And if they've been instructed properly, which you have to assume that the volunteers are, you know, they should be able to do it. The other thing that they do is they will put the bottles out on the table, and then it's your responsibility to grab them. Yeah. And that issue was that they allowed me to set it on the table, but they made me put it on the back corner. Okay. Yeah. And so did you feel comfortable slowing down to reach to the back corner, or... Did no, you? they had agreed that they would hand it to me. Okay. And they did, but there was it was a close to a debacle with the situation. Do you feel you would have been okay stopping to take the bottle? Was it that important mentally at, for you to have that bottle at that moment? I didn't want to stop. I wanted to just keep running. I didn't want to lose turnover. Mentally was a key word. Uh, I'm just going to say, yeah. Mentally, I did not want to, yeah, you know, okay. stop running. So that would have created some chaos in your in your race plan. Yep. Um, the other thing that was with the loops is by the start of the third one, you're running into people that are walking the marathon. <laughs> 
Well, you shouldn't be running into them, first off. Maybe well, want to try and go around them next time. Well, you do go around them, but the guys I was running with, I was the one that was, like, on your left, on your right, so that, you know, they would move out of the way. And So you're using I'm, energy announcing, probably. And then, Some. you know, unfortunately... Sometimes you tell someone on your left, <laughs> and they move to the left. <laughs> I have never experienced that before. That's Are you un- sure? Yeah. That's yeah. an unusual concept. I'm not sure where that comes from. <laughs> and the other thing that was mildly annoying with the whole thing is some of the people that decided to walk also decided that they were going to have headphones in. Oh, yeah. So you would say, on your left, yeah. and they... You could yell it, and they still couldn't hear you. How wide was... I was was just about to ask that. How wide was this thing? Um, It was like a narrow, single-lane road. So you Uh, could probably run like four or five wide. And you got two or three people like that are walking the race together that are like walking like side by side, probably. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes it challenging to like shuffle through. And not only that... um, for the first 15 or 16 miles of the race, more so the first eight, it was raining, and it was a, it was an older path, so the water would settle in puddles, and the people walking don't want to walk through the puddles. So you're coming up on them, and then you have to, you know, hurdle a puddle. This almost sounds like you were climbing in like Mount Everest or something like that. That was close. It, it was it was really a, a, a physical and mental challenge. It sounds like to, to to go around people that are walking and avoid puddles. And then uh, I don't know how you was, did it. It was funny because most of the puddles weren't that bad, but there was one. <laughs> there was there was one that was like six feet long, and we're like fifteen miles in the race, and I'm with the two guys I'm running with, and like. I went over into the, because there was a little bit of gravel on either side of the paved part of the path. I ran in that, but one of the guys I was running with hurdles like a six-foot puddle. Fifteen miles into it? Fifteen yeah. miles into it, and I'm like, I thought about hurting, hurdling that puddle, but I didn't want to pull my hamstring. Yeah, I was just going to say. So. <laughs> and he, he immediately responds, that wasn't very wise of me. It was, yeah, I, I don't know Jesus. Um, he ended up... Beating me, you got second overall. Okay. Yeah. Really? So where did you finish overall? I don't think we... I was fourth overall. Fourth? So you just off the podium. Yep. That kind of sucks. By how much? <laughs> the person who was third was... ran a, like a two, just over 248. Oh, so it was a ways back. So it wasn't like you had them Neck in your sights. Yeah, yeah, so he had probably like a quarter mile on me. Okay. Yeah. That's bad off. I would have been relentless if it had been like five seconds. Um, <laughs> How no. old was the guy that finished in front of you? <laughs> um, early 30s. And you're so, how old? 27. Okay. So, of the, so the two guys that I was running with, I let them drop me at 18. And then I caught one of the other two again at mile 22 and he was really struggling so you let them drop you at 18 miles why because they began to kick and we had so they increased their pace from what you were doing the yes first part yeah and what what did they finish yeah so the one I said was the two forty five thirty, mm-hmm. and the other one did uh, two fifty one twenty two. So one kept going, the other one dropped. No, off. not two fifty one. Could it have been two fifty one. You finished two forty nine. Right. Yeah, that one I caught at twenty two. Right. Yeah. Oh, he kicked at eighteen too. With the other guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. So, so the person that finished first wasn't one of the guys that kicked. What you guys? What were you guys averaging up through that eighteen? Was it a, right. about a six twenty pace, or so? It was like a six eighteen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you were right on a two forty five marathon, and then they escalated it from that point. Did they miles. escalate or did they sustain? So the eight mile eighteen, I believe we ran a six twenty seven. So okay. we did slow. Okay. You know, 
Nine or ten seconds. And then what was your next mile? I believe my next mile after that was like a 6.31. Okay. So so potentially they didn't accelerate. They went back to like the 6.18 probably. Okay. Right. He, and then the, I the did... Guy, the guy he was with, he ended up finishing at 2.45, right? Right. 2.45, So 30. he probably maintained... He sustained. He did. And um, then you and the other guy, the other guy tried to go with him, wasn't able to, to, to sustain it. You didn't sustain it either, but you dropped off to say ten seconds slower, but were able to maintain that give or take. And, yes. Okay. And I don't know if you thought about this at all as you were racing, but we had a built-in five-minute fail-safe. Yeah. Because I told him most people get to about mile twenty, and there's a there's a little bit of a struggle there. So I said, okay. Well, we'll build that in so that we anticipate, yeah, 245 would be the A goal, but realistically, you've got a fail-safe to where your B goal is 250. 250, right. So that allows you to kind of break off and go about 30 seconds slower per mile, mm-hmm. give or take, for the last six. Yep. And um, I don't know if you thought about that at that point. We were like, hey, I've already got 18, and I'm, I'm right on pace, so I've got a little bit to, I can back off and still hit my 250. Uh, yeah, because uh, 18 and 19 was just like a 6.27 and then a okay. low 6.30. And then um, did you stay at 6.30 the rest of the way in? The last three miles were all 6.43. Okay. So, yeah. right, about 30 seconds. So, so, so yeah. you accumulated the failsafe. Yeah. Is what it came down to. So, to Ryan's point, was that a... Do you think that was any sort of a mental break that said, ah, I got to 18, I got to 20 at the objective pace. I know I've got five minutes to spare. I don't need to suffer that much. It wasn't so much, well, it was partly that, but it was also at the same time as I realized I wasn't running the 619s anymore and I didn't want to at the same effort at the same effort okay and I didn't want to push it and sustain too much effort and then by 23 24 be like oh now I'm running 745s because so, okay so yeah. so so in fact there was a a mental um, alteration or adjustment that said I'm not feeling as great as I think I should to be able to sustain 618, 620s. So I'm just going to back it down and run these. And you taking the watch at that point was also very helpful because you that, went by that two miles that day, you know, made me realize to race by effort. And so that's what you shifted to at that point. Yes. You just tried to sustain perceived effort to finish it out correct so what would you do differently for the next training cycle and just as importantly going into the race would you alter your race plan at all Um, for the race plan we discussed it Prior to starting the podcast, um, I would train at this point for a 240 with the you know A and B goal 240 245 for the next one. But how I raced, I would not change because I didn't go out and run the first 15 at 605 pace and gas myself. I was cl- I had a consistent effort that I felt was appropriate and I was hitting the numbers that I was targeting for the first 17 18 miles and then I was able to hold on. And I, we talked about on some of the long runs is you run out of the the glucose, right? Like, well, yeah. right. I mean there was a lot of his workouts where he was he was running some of his less quality workouts t- too hard, 
and then when he was doing his long runs, he wasn't hitting his numbers, or he wasn't doing the exact long run workout right. I gave him. Right. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was getting frustrated because I knew like <laughs> how important certain ones were. That's right. I mean, the one thing too, and I don't fault him on like slowing down, whether it was partly mental, partly how he felt with. You know, it's a marathon. It's with his accident. marathon, you know, he obviously he didn't want to risk getting his goal, and to slow down, I think was probably a smart move, even if he felt like he had a little bit more. Now he's going to have the knowledge, knowing that the training and his fitness will make it possible to where he doesn't necessarily have to bank on on that slowdown process, and or and and he can sustain that, um, you know, for the next one. And, and the more um, of these I do, the just the better I feel like I'm gonna get at him. Yeah, and he's and he's gonna be going from do he's the next one he told me he's doing is the main marathon, which is in October. So we've got how many weeks here? Uh, so six. So hang on a second. So yeah. you're gonna do the main marathon? Correct. Okay. Do you want to run down his? Let's run down your uh, race. My race schedule? Season. Are we going to talk about his 5K two days after American Yeah, so, yeah, so... Are we switching gears real quick? Yeah, no, no. So, so what would... So, what we should be starting to talk about here is... is We've talked about the failed marathon at Bay of Fundy. And a lot of people would not consider that failed. So, we're using this in the context of what your expectations were which was bq yes yeah. so 312 is not necessarily a failed marathon but as a as a boston marathon qualifier yes it came up short and then your success at uh new york where you ran the 249 alan and i had the conversations last fall if i recall correctly after he had done last man standing and then went and I believe he did some pacing at the main marathon. Yep. yep. And then did was it New York? New York uh, marathon. And then shortly thereafter, there was a hip issue, if I recall correctly. Oh, you are 100 yeah. percent So I'm curious as to you following the same path that Alan did, and what I'm hearing is. Yes, I am a lemming, and I will follow everyone into the sea. Um, so, your what is your what is your recovery been since Friday, when you ran the marathon six hours away? Uh, seven with construction and traffic. Seven, so seven hours in the car. Okay, you drove out there on Thursday, correct? Yeah, Thursday morning. Okay, Thursday morning. So you drove seven hours on Thursday. You got there. You got up at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever time it was on Friday, 5 o'clock on Friday. You ran the marathon at 7 o'clock. Correct. You finished the marathon by 10 o'clock. You were back in the car by... Uh, so top seven in the marathon got awards. Uh, there was some, this was a very simple okay. question. I was back in the car at 12.30. Okay, so... <laughs> At 12.30, you got back in the car for seven hours back to Maine. So basically at 8 o'clock, give or take? Because I'm assuming you that's might... That's exactly right. Uh, that's 8, when you picked 8.30 up the... is when I got home because oh, I picked okay. up my puppy who... Okay, so um, I'm hoping there was at least one or two bathroom break, breaks in the meantime. Tell me you didn't make it all the way back here without needing to go to the bathroom. I stopped to go to the bathroom twice and stopped two or three more times to stretch. Yeah, so, yeah. okay. All right, so at least you had to go to the bathroom. So you semi-hydrated. You got back Friday night. You raced again, semi-raced, a 5K on Sunday morning. You ran on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I did. A ran on Saturday. <laughs> and worked an event. Yeah, and... <laughs> And, so, <laughs> and spent a good portion of the day on your feet. Correct. Okay. Raced on Sunday morning. Yes. And set up for the event. Yeah. And so, what is, talk to me about, or talk to us about the recovery philosophy that you have engaged so far. Because I haven't heard one. 
Uh, if anything, it's uh, less than recovery. It's more amped up than it. Go harder. Yeah. <laughs> Go harder. Exactly. Yeah. So, so going back twelve months, we've learned nothing from Alan. Exactly. Okay. Good. You know, I, I just want to make sure. I guess in that part of so, that podcast when I was listening to it. Yeah. I I <laughs> He's got stopped. <laughs> so all all kidding aside. Um, what is your recovery plan now? Because uh, this is the first time I'm hearing that you're going to run Maine. And well, I don't understand. heard the other ones. I have well, and I don't understand why you would feel the need to run Maine at this point. You accomplish your goal, and to me, were I in your position, my objective would would be to run well at Boston. I'm in agreement, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do Boston, or I wouldn't do Maine in with this situation the... with any goal of trying to. And I honestly, I didn't even. I looked at my watch and I was like, "Wait a minute, how many weeks until that?" And yeah. I did not realize it was like basically a month from now. Right. There's right. no way that you're going to get the fitness and and the stability back from what you just did, and try to ramp up two V dots by in a healthy way I mean it doesn't mean that you can't do it but you're going to be risking things okay right. two other things before you speak Jake he also has two half marathons oh you're such a dope and so there's no question in my mind that Donnie Hebert is your father okay because you're just as dopey as he is and one of the things that we talked about not only did I get injured after that but I signed up for a half marathon that I wasn't able to participate in, that I had bought plane tickets for, paid for a race entry, and so forth, and he still hasn't learned from that. But we all doubted him about the marathon. Yeah, and, and we all did. All of us. And, okay. and it's not just you, because when we were doing a workout, the first 10-mile uh, marathon pace workout, it, he was going hard up the hills before we even got to marathon pace, and I'm just like, hell are you doing guy we still marathon pace yeah i was hitting his marathon pace or below handing him water bottles (laughs) need you and um when i saw him start to slow i'm like don't let scott be right and that was my so it is a motivation yes that's why Um, i'm here and that was rolling on the cycle but i didn't doubt him i questioned whether or not he was going to get injured Right. And yes. I still do. I think and, we. And, and I said it to him. I, I right. always talk to Alan. I'm like, what the hell is Jake doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and that's my concern. Yeah. yeah. All of our. Because I know he. I knew he could do it. Is it yes. If he could get there. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just. And and again. And and you and I have talked about this. And I know Ryan, you've considered this, and you've you felt this. You got to get to the starting line before you can be successful at a race. Yeah. And if if you're, uh, if you're the queen of workouts. So you're hitting workouts like a champion, uh, but you can't get to the starting line. You know what? It's it's all for naught. It's all for naught unless you are completely satisfied with the I train as I feel I need to train for me, and I don't need validation by running in races. But the fact that you're signing up for these races says that you need the validation of the race. The one, the second half marathon was just because it's the ship here at Pumpkinhead and I like Pumpkinhead. So you want the beer. Okay. So at least your motivation is accurate. (laughs) So we're good with the motivation that it's a beer race. Uh, But all kidding aside, I think the the one thing that is difficult, especially as uh, as you're a competitive athlete, as we're all competitive athletes, we get going... And we feel like we're invincible. I feel great. I can do this. I, my training's going well. I have no aches and pains until we have aches and pains. And then we look back and say, God, I was stupid. Because we did not include the four-letter word that all of us avoid, which is rest. And that's my concern right now with what you're about to in- embark on over the next eight to ten weeks same yeah. because i think we all t- like like yeah. you said just recently why not recover 
and race Boston, and that's what I want to do against this guy. I want to pound him into the ground in yeah. Boston. Yeah. I don't I want mean, It's empowering to do a 23-minute PR yeah. on a marathon. It is. Because I've done that before, and you feel like... Like let's do let's race this other one. I, I want to go great shape, whatever. <laughs> That's right. But I know all three of us have had pretty major injuries for different reasons, yep. and I if I could go back and do things different to prevent that, I would have. Some of us the same. And yeah, so well, and I think that's the tough part when when you're dealing with with individual sport athletes, which runners are. Three minutes for your draft. Um, then what the difficult portion and part of that is, especially, Ryan, in your role now as a coach, uh, a guidance instructor, you know, is to be that objective voice that says, no, dumbass, this is what you're going to do. You're not going to make the same mistakes that I've seen others make, that I've made, um, and nobody likes it. He's not going to like it to go out and tell him that he, no, you're going to do an easy five today. And if you are running more than eight minutes a mile, then you know what? You need to stop, untie your shoes, and walk back to the house. Um, You know, so these are the type of things that makes it difficult. But, you know, as Alan can uh, attest to, as I can attest to, and I'm sure you can, and you're slowly, uh, you know, getting into that realm, is that, once you get to the point where you are uh, accomplished, you've established yourself as, as better than the 70% average, and you are finishing in the top of your age groups, you're finishing on the podiums of many of these races and, and this and that, it's, it's a drug that you can't walk away from. And it's tough. Oh, it's... And you feel invincible, and it is difficult to allow somebody to tell you, no, that's not the way it needs to be. But if you allow that to occur, the chances are your success is going to be much higher than it would be if you just kind of forge ahead. I'm going to be the icebreaker. I'm going to, I'm going to plow through all of this ice, and I'm going to make it to the finish line in spite of the tweaks and the twinges and the um, minor aches and pains that I know are there. But I'm telling myself they're not. So, having said all of that, Jake, stop. You fucking dope. (laughs) If you're going to run the marathon, just, it's a 20-mile easy run. And drop out. Drop out. I haven't signed up yet. Then don't. Wait, Maine? You haven't signed up yet? No, I haven't registered yet. Oh, then don't! Yeah. Oh my so god. So you signed up for the halves? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, I, and if you did do it, find somebody that wants to run with you that is a minute a mile slower right. than your race pace. And stay with them. That's a harder and course give, than what give you just back ran to. to so. wait, yeah. yeah. Well, he was going to run 245. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm psyched for you for Boston. I, I you know, uh, Alan's been through it where he's had to go to Boston knowing that he wasn't, he was getting over Not an injury. Contending. Yeah. Right. So, like, for sure, like going into Boston super healthy, oh man, it's nothing better feeling than that. Yep. So, how do you feel, Jake? There. What do you. You know yourself. One of the, I think one of the things you and I talked about was um, trusting. One of Scott's best advice was you've got external advice, but you know yourself and then trust yourself. So how do you feel with everyone? I feel like I'm going to process it and then make a decision. Are you blood doping? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just open? I'm you a know, <laughs> I've been where you were a lot of times, and what I did, what honestly, what I did is I joined a pacing group. So because I wanted to do some of those runs, and it forced me to do like a minute per mile less than 
what I normally did and I still felt like I accomplished something and I helped other people qualify for yeah. Boston that had slower times. So like if you really feel like you need to run for whatever reason, you know, that's something you can do. I mean, I, I that's what Todd Michoud had said too. Yeah, Todd, Todd and I do the same racing team, and he so said like I'll pacing. Piece, yeah, yeah. That's what so I'll, I'll do their app. fastest pacing. So like I'll just go out and run like a seven twenty pace, and I'll help somebody qualify for Boston that's like fifty years old or something. I helped like multiple people qualify for Boston just doing like like a an easy run, you know. It'd basically like, be like um, you said there was the one guy that kicked at 18 you came up to him and you saw his form was crap and i slowed down for 30 seconds and i said he was hunched forward his arms were up by his chest jake gave advice i said that concerns me I, <laughs> did you not hear this so this is a guy that wears his bathing suit to workouts because they drive faster <laughs> they do drive faster <laughs> Yeah, so, and worked to the race too, so I'm surprised the guy took my advice. Yeah, no, so yeah, again, I think you're you're creating a trend, okay? I don't know I, that it's a good one, but I you're came up to one. him and I saw and I said, "Stand up straight, <laughs> drop your arms, <laughs> focus on your footwork." <laughs> Jake had the foresight to give Work someone else advice, and at that point, I was doing like I don't know six just below 640 pace and he must have been doing 720 20, and he yeah. must have pulled it together some because I only beat him by a minute and a half with yeah. you know four Small and a quarter miles. miles to go so for him having someone tell him to shape up and do these certain things was like a mental check for him I assume and talking to him after the race he had done Boston before and ran a 246 there so, Jake, the advice giver. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying, you know, I thought about it during the race, and I'm trying to channel my inner Alan, so I'm, I'm laughing at these people that are, like, hobby <laughs> jogging, and I'm like, good job. Good job. I can't, like, I almost want to qualify for Boston this year so I can actually watch Jake run Boston because I just love the Boston course and, like, what happens at, like, mile 18 and on. Yeah. Well, you think about the crew that's going down. So you have myself, uh, Wes, John Plummer, Jake, Dave Kesterson, yeah. some of his Tennessee friends, yeah. um, Dan Propriand. And we're all in this window of time that's And we're all similar. in the same window, yeah. Yeah. Of 240 to 250 to I think my wife will kill me if I try to qualify for Boston now and train for it too many things to do we can go and watch. we'll see what happens after last man we'll, we'll, we'll see I would have to run a marathon the week after last man <laughs> the last qualifying week so we'll just go like a, this whole podcast is nothing so, so again we, we, uh, this is Alan all over again yes, yes. <laughs> but I can jog it though it's not my marathon pace like you know, what do you need a three fifteen or something? It's like a three ten, so I could I could run like a recovery pace almost and do it. But <laughs> but the tough part is you know is finding that marathon that last weekend. Yeah, yeah there is, is a bunch in Boston Mass. There's a bunch in Mass, and I don't know if they sell out or not. They, they do. Do they? Because okay. I tried to get into them last year, and the only one I could find was down in uh, D.C. Uh, um. And it was out and back on the uh, on one of the trails down there. But there is trail, right? Yeah, yeah. there's one in uh, in Lehigh. That's traditionally the last one that everybody goes to, yeah. Lehigh, Pennsylvania. So I had looked up one. There was one in Michigan too. Right. Oh, there you go. But yeah. like northern yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Just before it snows. When uh, Wes was on his pursuit to qualify, we looked into that, and it was you have to like fly into northern Michigan it's, logistically it's not well um, before we um, close up let's talk about this weekend Ryan real quick yep real quick okay what's what's going on this weekend so we got last man standing which you obviously won last year and you're gonna come back just to uh, get a good workout in help 
hopefully crew me after doing what 50 miles you were hoping to do no nope, no nope. we, uh, we bumped it down 50k 50k yeah john was saying that yeah and uh yeah so uh i'm healthy um much healthier than last year no issues with my back no time off of training over the last couple months and um so yeah i'm looking to pull out a victory i'm prepared to run whatever it takes 120 130 miles uh, i'm assuming is going to happen yeah you were you we talked about this before the the yeah. podcast started and you expect to be about 120 so yeah there's some legit competition coming i guess from new york some people that yeah. yeah like are you know whatever out on instagram that actually do ultras quite often from new york that yeah. must must have done some stuff and heard about this race because it's basically like a reproduction of the original last man standing which was based down in tennessee by the original what's his name um not yeah, ultra um, race guy uh Lars. 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 Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure I'm sure that's appealing to a lot of people to be able to do a race like that. Cause well, they saw four unique. people went over 100 miles, so yep. it's not just, yeah. all right, people are dropping out at right. 50K. Right. This is what happened. It was previous. Did you see so. the Facebook post that had you on it most recently? It had the last three winners. It had... No, nope. right. I just it saw, the one, where saw you the, were, one. the one where you were in front of me, and <laughs> I was behind you. Hey, I can't help it. They just liked my glistening oh, tan body. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but no, they showed you doing your little victory pose at 109 okay. miles, and then they had... Um, Brendan the year before with uh, 80, 80 miles who beat me that year yeah and then the guy before who was uh, um, like what's his name yeah. only 70 something so every right. year it's escalated by multiple levels so right. I'm assuming the same thing's gonna happen this right. year and, and and I think I think you brought up a good point I think once you went over a hundred miles I think you legitimize the fact that it's an ultra yeah yeah so yeah. I, I I still think that the format, unless you practice it, it is something that you are not, ultra, ultra guys are not going to be capable of that adjustment. Hmm. I think that's a change, because they're used to going two or three hours, okay, now I'm gonna take a 15 minute break. Mm-hmm. They're gonna go two or three hours, they're gonna take a 15 minute break. You know, Whatever their routine is, whatever works for them, whether it's a 60 minute, and two hours, whether it's three, whatever the routine is, but this forced—it's a forced right, one hour. Yes, that, that is a difficult transition as a runner. Yeah, because we—I'm going to go out and run what I can. I looked up a lot of these guys, and they have a lot of DNFs, and they're straight 100-mile races yeah. where you can do your own pace for whatever interval of time, Correct. rest whenever you want, and they still didn't finish. And yeah. they still didn't get through it. So right. this this is very difficult. But I know for me, and I never told uh, Dave or Alan this, is I had told my wife before the start of the race is I had serious back issues before the race. Yeah. If I hit 100, I was just stopping. And I didn't tell them because I didn't want to, like, psych them out one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and I just stopped. Um, so this year, um, with the training, I did the same exact training program. Um, my fitness being better, me being healthier, me being a little bit lighter. Um, a little bit lighter. By, by that, you mean 10 pounds? Four, five, no, five four or pounds. five pounds. But yeah. I've actually been weightlifting this whole time versus yeah. last year. My back was so bad, I couldn't lift any weights because right. it kept flaring my back up. So is it more lower body weights or upper? Everything. Everything. I, do, so just I do a circuit weight. of yeah. every major muscle group. Yeah. And I do it three times a week, 45-minute quick workout. Yeah. But it's it's based on stuff which we can talk about down the road. But right. So, yeah, I mean, I think overall... Like my body, I'm like less than 10% body fat right now, which I definitely was not. If you looked at that picture, you saw love handles on me last year. Well, it was skin, extra skin. Well, you say that. Extra skin. It wasn't. No, I don't think at that point in the race you were, though, because you had already run. Well, I was, well, yeah, I mean, I was, I probably was dehydrated. Yeah, so yeah. It wasn't bad on me. It just looks like, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I'm, I'm excited after, you know, I'm going to have a great crew. I'll have Alan, Dave, Dave. my wife. Um, obviously, the strategy for it is quite different because we had each other to motivate each other through each lap because we were running the whole thing together. And I'm going to have, like, in the middle of the night, running by myself, 
Um, I've trained for it and prepared for it, and it is it sucks like bad. Like if some of those other guys from New York don't have other people to run with, it's going to be really bad for them if they haven't trained that way. Cause yeah. it was difficult. Um, but yeah, at least I'll have have a good crew uh, in between each lap. So yeah, we'll see. And we're all do 50k. Dave Kesterson. He was doing coming in. I just talked to him. He told me he's going to do 50, 50. miles plus. Yeah. Potentially more for me to help me through the night. He just said, depending on how he feels, yeah. but he feels so pretty good. So we have fit. segments. Yeah. So, just so that, and and I just so that I'm clear, yeah. nobody can jump in and just run a lap with. Correct. Me. You still have to be active in you the race. You still have to be yeah. active in the race. So yeah. I can't go in there at let's say eleven o'clock on on uh, Sunday morning and, <laughs> and no and pacers. Jump in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's important to understand because, to your point. Yeah. You may be lonely yeah. at the, at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no, I'm psyched. Can't wait. Hopefully, uh, Alan and I can sit on each other's uh, winning. Yes. Uh, what what a chair? The, yeah, the chair. You need yeah. to get that back, by the way. But anyway, that's another story. So we're gonna have like our our two hopefully matching chairs. We'll see. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Monday. Yeah. While well, you're chafed. Just shit. <laughs> That's probably That's the all word. he can remember. Yeah, it's being chafed. Yeah, we're talking chafe. <laughs> yeah. Hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> Hamburger and hobbit feet. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well done. Yep. Perfect. Good luck to everyone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't uh, sign off with the beer. Oh, yeah, that's right. So finishing off my last last couple sips of Geary's Ixnay gluten-free, gluten-removed beer. Wow. The only gluten-removed beer that tastes like beer, in my opinion. But anyway. Okay. Try it out. A number of Shipyard Pumpkin Heads, courtesy of Jake. I also have Shipyard Pumpkin Head, released early this year. And I've got uh, Jack's Abbey Sunny Ridge uh, Pilsner. Uh, quite tasty yeah very good well done guys well there you have it that was our most recent podcast hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening we have many more topics in the pipeline so be sure to subscribe to get our latest tale from the long run please feel free to comment and let us know your thoughts